Greetings everyone. What the Chuck? You're probably wondering what this is about. I'm here live in Kilgore, Texas at the Texas Museum of Broadcasting and I'm here with one of my closest friends from many years ago. You might know him as LA Dave, Dallas Dave, Diamond Dave, Diamond Dallas Dave, but if you were in Central Florida in the 90s, you remember him as Sideline Dave, Dave Erickson. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Well, I'm welcoming myself to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome you Sorry. to the... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, we are having a great time here in, uh, in Kilgore. What we've done is uh, we just got done shooting a couple of segments for the follow-up um, pieces for uh, SECW Meltdown, which was a show we worked on, Dave and I did, back in the uh, aughts, early 2000-2001. And uh, we worked together in local news in Orlando for many years prior to that. And now we're just uh, hanging out together here in uh, Texas. Dave lives here now. I'm just passing through. But I thought we'd kick things off uh, with my podcast. Um, just Dave and I just ruminating on um, how much worse society has gotten. Yeah. Uh, Money-grubbing little cheesy bastards. Um, basically draining the souls of uh, rock fans everywhere. Um, and Dave is playing with the effects. I don't know if you can hear the effects. Out here, but... hear By the way, I live in uh, DFW now, but uh, made the drive out to Kilgore, and um, the museum is really a very cool place, and it goes to the point, the heart of what you're talking about, where you look at all these vintage broadcasting um, items, and it just takes you back to days that were a whole lot simpler Yes, everything's. Yeah, you carry everything on your uh, on, on your belt right now, and and if you if you work in TV news like Dave and I used to, they want you to, to you know uh, MMJ everything. You're you're Snapchatting, you're Facebooking, you're tweeting, you're you're writing in your uh, uh, writing articles for your station's uh, website. What else are they doing? I mean, they're, you know, and then and then if you have some time, when all that's done, you can work on your story. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, we want you to do a Facebook Live promoting the story. Well, yeah, that's great, but uh, if I do that, I won't have time to actually do the story. Yeah. That seems to be um, not the priority anymore. <laughs> no, it, it, it's gotten to the point where you have to you have to please so many masters on so many different platforms that the, 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 what you set out to do in the first place suffers. And you where you had maybe an hour and a half to log and write. Now it's just jot some stuff down and, and fill with some sound bites. Um, and you know, and, and that's that's what's going on there. And then and then digitizing uh, well we were talking about music earlier today and how uh, you know uh, computers it started off with me talking about my newest laptop. It doesn't even have a uh, it doesn't have a, um, a disk drive in it. Uh, and it's a PC, and uh, even the uh, the Macs don't have. They don't even have USB ports anymore. No, it, it's I don't know how you get stuff in and out. No HDMI, no um, what was it, FireWire? And the the observation I made was that the very reason that the record industry collapsed was that uh, computers had disk drives in the first place. Right. <laughs> well, because you could burn, well, or you would download, and then from Napster or, or Kaza or LimeWire or some 
interesting. Okay, that would destroy your computer just because you wanted to download a Metallica song. Yeah. Um, or send it as a file to your friend. Right, and then you would burn a CD, and that killed the record industry. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why you now pay $200 a ticket to go see, um, you know, some festival somewhere, uh, or you go see, you know, Sammy Hagar. Um, and, and there's, uh, because it used to be that, that records paid, um, paid the freight and, yeah. and, and they don't anymore because everything's down, downloaded and artists, streamed. Yeah, and artists make no money anymore because the, the rules, and they're working, musicians have a coalition that are working to change these copyright laws and how they get paid, how artists are remunerated for their, for their music. And um, because the laws are basically set up for the way it was back in the 50s or 60s or whatever, and so the artists aren't compensated the same. They make no money these days. Digital downloads, Spotify, Pandora, they make nothing. Right. So right. you and I were talking about it's $200 to go to a concert. It's 60 bucks for a T-shirt. Yeah. It's paying $200 for a meet and greet. Right. I mean, our idea of a meet and greet was waiting outside. It was hanging out <laughs> by the backstage door after the show with something that you hoped the artist would sign. Yeah. And that worked fine for us. I mean, it was a it and and it created a bond between the artist and the fans. He wasn't he or she or they weren't doing it because some pencil pusher was saying, "Well, this is how you, you know, you will maximize revenue from your tour. I mean, I just have never been, um, <clears throat> part of my issue is that, and I understand an artist is trying to make a living, okay? I, I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't make a living, but I sit back and just, this isn't an equivalent example, but something similar. Back when I was a television reporter, mm -hmm. and I might be invited to speak at some event, and I've been asked for, I've been asked, to give, what's your honorarium? What do you want? Mm -hmm. I go, I'm just privileged that you think enough of me to yeah. invite me to your event yeah. or whatever to speak. And yeah. so I never took pay for anything. Mm -hmm. And so these musicians, I just, it's it's beyond me to charge a fan. Yeah. I, I'd be so grateful. I'm, but then again, I'm not yeah. a musician whose income has been chopped off at the knees. Yeah. So I kind of maybe they're going begrudgingly into this, but I yeah. just can't even fathom a time when you would want to charge a fan for right. being a fan and getting a photo taken right. and in a special room <laughs> with a special banner behind you yeah. that says, you know, uh, 2018 tour when? so and so. I yeah. see I see Thorogood doing that all the time. I feel sorry for the guy. <clears throat> Because you know, when I met him, it was it was as a fan and and as a journalist, but also as a fan. We talked as as a fan would uh, with 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 a an artist like that. But uh, that's part of that's gone. Part of that's missing. And you know, you just you just can't you can't compensate for that with with writing a check. No, I just um, I'm starting to sound like my grandfather. <laughs> but it it gets to the point where I. I I think we had a simpler time back then when it was special to meet an artist. And I don't know how jazzed I would be if I met somebody and I had to pay. Yeah. You know, I met Buddy Guy on an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me means more than if I paid 200 bucks to go see him at some prearranged thing. Mm -hmm. I ran into, you know, ACDC outside the Ritz Carlton in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> that. I mean, I couldn't talk for a week. I was so excited, <laughs> you know, how I am with ACDC. Right. And 
you know, how many times have you met a musician outside by the bus? You know, oh, yeah. and, and it's yeah. just, or you run into somebody. Yeah. And, you know, and back when Creed was a thing, I remember being at the Orlando, <laughs> you know, I remember being at the Orlando Arena and Scott Stapp would come to the games. I run into that guy. Mm -hmm. And they were huge at the time. Yeah. And it was before he went kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, that was our meet and greet. Right. Right. And, and or you'd go, yeah, like I said, to the bus outside. And, you know, I had a, <clears throat> I'd been sent a, uh, an 8x10 from Anthrax. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was leaving their show and walked by their bus and I had it and some dude said, you know, um, yeah, hold on and took it inside and five minutes later it was, it was there. Or if you knew how to get out of a van, a venue and walk past the, the, uh, the backstage area and you could, if you knew what to do, where to look and who to talk to, you could slip somebody something and they'd go, yeah, you know, we can get this signed, right? You can, you can meet them and ask them. <laughs> I remember being at a Ted Nugent gig. I didn't actually meet him, but I remember I, I walked up. I, as back in the days, cameras weren't allowed. I used to sneak in a 300-millimeter lens in my SLR Olympus, and I would take the body off the, in the lens off the body. i put the mm -hmm. body in my pants, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then I would put the, the lens, like, in my sock. And back then we had bell-bottoms, so mm -hmm. it, you couldn't, you know, it would fit. So I get back there, once I'm, I'm inside the summit and um, in Houston, 20,000 people, whatever, and I go down, I put my camera together, I go down back to where the backstage entrance is, I come across this roadie and I go, hey, yeah, listen, uh, for some reason I didn't have my credential up at the uh, will call. And the guy goes, I go, I'm with the Houston Chronicle. <laughs> the goes, You're the Chronicle? I, I go, he goes, you look a little young, because I think I was like 17. Mm -hmm. I go... Look, cameras aren't allowed in this venue. If I wasn't who I say I am, why would I have an Olympus professional camera with a 300-millimeter lens in here? He goes, well, okay. He takes his backstage pass off of him, puts uh -huh. it on me. I go under the stage into the photo pit area in front of Scorpions was opening, and then Nugent. I mean, you can never pull that off now. No. <laughs> no. That to me, no. No. So I didn't actually meet them, but that's that's like a memory I don't think you can get these no, days. No, no, <laughs> no. That, that's, it'd be totally out of the question, something like that. Or even my encounter, you, just, you need to know where to be and, and when to be there. My encounter with, with Les Paul, when he signed my Les Paul, was he, he was playing a club every Monday or Tuesday night in New York City. And, you know, people would, would go there and some would, um, some would, you know, at the end of the show, they'd say, well, you know, line up over here. Well, the vast majority of the people would just leave, and I'm like, no way, don't do people, don't you understand? This is the inventor of the solid body electric guitar. Well, <coughs> and he's looked up to by everyone from Jimmy Page to um, whoever. Let's see, I mean, well, the list is endless. It's endless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so, and to Eddie Van Halen, and so, you know, doggone right, I'm I'm asking him to sign my uh, my Les Paul, and he did, and and it's great. You know, you didn't have to be an insider. You didn't have to be an insider, and you, if you wanted to meet Lemmy from Motorhead, oh my you gosh. didn't have to pony up money to meet him. You show up to the Rainbow in Los Angeles on basically any night of the week, go over to the video trivia machine, and there he was. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's that's the that's the story, and you know it's just those were you know those were different times with different. You, you wouldn't expect Justin Timberlake to be hanging out in such a public venue where you know he was approachable like that, and so. Um, <clears throat> It's just the the metrics of it has all has all shifted. So I'm enjoying being at this museum, Chuck, because um, that's why it's a little noisy. I, if you're listening to this, but um, 
we're in this booth mm -hmm. that overlooks the main area of the museum and people walking by it, the owners of the museum. I don't think yeah. they know what's going on. Who are these two yahoos? It's okay. <laughs> we, here's another, here's another uh, example of we talked ourselves in. <laughs> we have a history of doing it. <laughs> we did that at Reliance Stadium, didn't we? We did. It's, it's now NRG Stadium, or, or NERG. <laughs> but if you go down to NERG Stadium in Houston, mm -hmm. so which we, we did during the... It was the Big 12 championships, right? Something like that. It was something major like that. And we and just followed a group of people in there who looked like they were new they belonged i don't think we had the clipboard but i've always said you can get in anywhere with a clipboard and a determined look yeah uh -huh. straight ahead <laughs> avoid eye contact we had i think we had maybe a pad or piece of paper <laughs> and a determined look yeah walked right in and we held and the other thing was we held the door open for the people who were supposed to be there we just came in yeah and we said hi to security you mm -hmm. never don't look fishy go hey how yeah. you doing today just yeah i'm going yeah they're not going to stop you because they're probably making 15 bucks an hour and they really don't get paid enough to care. No, for sure. <laughs> you look like you belong there. And, uh, yeah, that, that's about the, the size of it. But so that's, a, that's a whole other deal. We're, but we're here at the uh, Texas Museum of Broadcasting, and we're in a booth, uh, one of the uh, booths that uh, uh, they have on display here. We're looking out over the floor, and people are walking through and, and waving and saying hi, and, and uh, we're interacting with them, which is another thing about radio, to shift it over to radio, Radio used to have booths where, you know, downtown or somewhere where you could interact with, with the public. It your was listeners. a simpler time. Radio was actually fun to work in now, <laughs> and it was real. It's not real anymore, Chuck. I think what you have now is you go in, you've got places, everything is owned by Clear Channel, iHeart, whatever. Infinity. And they come in, and they record voice tracks that are inserted digitally yeah. in between the tunes. And so somebody who has a four-hour show records all their tracks in probably about a half an hour yep. uh, in a booth, and then they go on and do production work or whatever yeah. for the rest of the day. But it's not real anymore. There used to be a connection with radio. This dude is standing in front of the sen sensors in front of the front door. <laughs> That's why you're hearing the beeping right now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it used to be a case of, you know, you, you first of all, the DJs were part of the community. They weren't. Uh, cutting their tracks 1,200 miles away in Cleveland, mm -hmm. and um, it was less, uh, you know, it was less impersonal that, that way. You knew who you were listening to, and and he had a fan base in your in your town, and they would do local promotions. Radio still does local promotions today, but you know, you, you'll go down there and you'll just kind of look at them and go, "Who are these people again?" So um, um, there's there's a guy, there's a guy. I can't say this too loud. There's a guy who's like 275. Seems like a nice guy, yeah. but he's standing in front of the sensor of the museum <laughs> by the front door, not realizing he's continuing to trigger <laughs> the sensor that's beat the alarm sensor. That's what you're hearing, in the, possibly hearing in the back. I don't know. He looks like he looks like Leslie West. <laughs> for the for those who, who, for the newbies, that be a band called Mountain, Mountain. <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's what's so, happening here. See, that's just it. Live radio. We're telling it like it is. This that's is not right. a pre-recorded trace. <laughs> right now, I, just, I feel like singing Mississippi Queen. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't what know. were we talking about? We're I going. We're know. we're going past our uh, our allotted time here. Uh, yeah, it's I just like there was a simpler. There were simpler days. I yeah. miss it. 
I miss the fact that uh, people can't go to concerts anymore and just watch it and enjoy it yeah. and take away the memories they have in their head. No. They have to capture it with a cell phone. And... Oh, man. That's the worst thing. I'll be at a show and I'll look around and, you know, people younger than me, which isn't, you know, that hard to imagine because, you know, I'm a fossil now. Um, but everybody is standing there with a cell phone, with an iPhone or something like that, and they're shooting, they're shooting videos, they're shooting photos, and they're just holding up their... And I can only imagine the performer, what, what they have to contend with, because they're not playing to people. They're playing to a sea of, of uh, cell phones and devices that are being held up recording them. So, you know, there's not, that, there's not that reaction. There's not that visceral kind of, you know, fist pumping. It's all just, you know, uh, bright screens. Well, that's just... And I, that's why I think I have a lot of respect for Jack White, because he's bringing back... A lot of things that we're missing. Jack White is almost single-handedly responsible for the resurgence of vinyl. Um, his records are being released on vinyl. In fact, I read an article in Rolling Stone or something about a month ago. It said that Jack White has led the vinyl revolution. Yes, yeah, in many ways. Vinyl's he he owns, doesn't he own a factory? Uh, a vinyl record uh, facility? He does, actually. It's, uh, I want to say Alabama, but I'm, I'm not that's 100%. That's Tennessee. Tennessee, I think okay. It's, I think it's, I, I might be wrong. It could, I, yeah. Well, you would think we would do research before starting these, these podcasts. Why start now? <laughs> it's, but, um, it's very organic. No, but he also is, um, he came to Dallas, and I think he's done this on other venues, but he came and played a venue in Dallas last year where they pro he, prevented, he prohibited cell phones. But the way to do that was you were required to put a phone in some, there's new technology, you put it in some bag where... Uh, blocks the signal in the mm -hmm. venue, and right. and you can't use it. Right, but if you go out into the lobby, right. you can still. I don't know how it worked. It, you could still get alerts, like if maybe it was an emergency or something. I mm -hmm. don't know how it worked, but it would work in the lobby. Right, um, but it's but, a step he's taking to yeah. to minimize. And that. It's, uh, I think that you know, I I very much appreciate that. Uh, there's an artist who says, you know, I'm over this looking at a sea of screens, as you said. I'm sick mm -hmm. and tired of people not enjoying the music. At the end of the day, isn't that what a concert's about? I didn't just pony up 200 bucks to go and stare at a phone. I, I right. want to go in and have a full concert experience. Right, and I'll, I'll have a great memory of that <laughs> show. Yeah. Uh, I took, I'll tell you what, I'll, I took a few photos the last time I saw Motorhead. And... Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't insist on, on holding it up the whole time. I got close to the stage. I got. I got up mm -hmm. up there with Lemmy, took a few photos, and then put the phone away. And then it was just about me and the band. You right. know, just listening to to the to the greatest rock band of its time, really, and uh, and enjoying it and enjoying that moment because it would be the last time, mm -hmm. unbeknownst to me or Dave or anybody else, uh, that we would ever see Lemmy perform. Live again, and he was, he was, he was not a well man, but he was up there, you know, just cranking it out as if he was still in his twenties. Well, that's rock and roll. That is, that is, because you know what? I remember he was dying. I uh, I cited Lemmy as an example for somebody. Um, like last year, Justin Bieber had canceled. He had a few dates left on his tour, mm -hmm. and he canceled it because he was exhausted. Or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it was like there's maybe six dates left. Yeah. Citing exhaustion, he canceled them. And I said, you know what? Lemmy. Lemmy. Went out there with stage four cancer, 
weeks from death mm -hmm. and somehow dragged his butt out of bed every single day and kicked ass for the fans. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's rock and roll. That's, that's, that's what it's about. And that's old school. And that's how it, that is what it's about. Yeah. And, and that very same venue, uh, Nugent had had oral surgery, mm -hmm. uh, just before his show in Orlando at the house of blues. And, um, he went on stage too. He went on the stage as well, and and that's old school, man. That's that's just it. Now he had he brought out Pat Travers and he brought out uh, Derek St. Holmes to help him out, and very few people in the audience knew that's why they were there, and they probably didn't know that Derek St. Holmes is the one who sang <laughs> like, all of his hits back in the early days, back in the days, <laughs> and it wasn't Ted. And they had an acrimonious <laughs> split, as I recall. Yeah, uh, it took them years, and they finally made up. They finally buried the hatchet, and. Yeah. And that, to me, regardless of what you think of Nugent, his politics and, and, and that type of thing, when you're aware of that's what he's dealing with, and he's out there anyway, because mm -hmm. he doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want anybody to be disappointed. And, um, you know, it goes, back to, it goes back to a story about, you know, when Joe DiMaggio was playing for the Yankees, and the game was almost over, ninth inning, they were up 10 nothing, and a ball gets hit out to uh, DiMaggio, and he hustles, hustles, hustles over to get... Uh, that to catch that ball and boom, you know the game's over and he and he and he goes back in the locker room, and a, a reporter asked him, you know, you, you had the game put away, the team had the game put away. Why why are you you know making all that great effort? And DiMaggio said, well, somewhere in the stands is a kid who has who has never seen the Yankees play or has never seen me play, and if I didn't do that, that kid would not you know uh, would not have the full experience of of what it's like. Uh, to do what we do, so that's that's what I keep in the back of my mind for guys like Nugent, and on that occasion, but Lemmy especially, stage four cancer, and he's out on stage cranking it, and uh, you know we knew he was kind of like moving slow, but it's like okay, fine, none of us is getting any younger, and um, and then the shocking news two two months later, uh, yeah. and it was just amazing, um, but that was you know that was that was a moment that you know I'll always. I'll always look back on fondly, not because I took a boatload of photos or, you know, recorded uh, mm -hmm. Ace of Spades. It's right. because I'm just sitting there watching Lemmy be Lemmy. Well, yeah. I mean, we talked about the rainbow earlier where Lemmy mm -hmm. would hang out on the Sunset Strip. I can tell you, I was at the Roxy on the Strip, which is a club right next door to the rainbow. And I was there with a friend of mine to see... Um, a band called the Chelsea Girls. It was put. It's like a band put together by the guitar player from a band you probably never heard of called the Donnas. But they did all oh, these yeah, old rock covers, right? Mm -hmm. So there, with a friend of mine, we're watching, and all of a sudden, <laughs> midway through the set, out from behind the curtain walked Lemmy. <laughs> Lemmy comes on stage. He walked over from the Rainbow. He's got his Rickenbacker bass with him, and he walks out, and they slam into an impromptu version of Ace of Spades. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm screaming, the minute I see Lemmy come from behind the curtain, I'm like, oh my God, it's Lemmy, it's <laughs> Lemmy, it's freaking Lemmy. <laughs> but I, re I didn't have a cell phone, my phone on me, or I think it was back in the, I think I had a Blackberry, so I don't know. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> I just remember though. Blackberry. You know, but, <laughs> but, but to your point, I remember every moment that gig and yep. that experience with Lemmy walking out. Yep. Surprising that it was a total surprise performance. Yep. There's Lemmy. Mm -hmm. And I remember it. 
Had I watched it through a phone, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have such a vivid recollection. Right. And it's, you know, just, guys, you got to live your life, Put man. the phone, Put the phone down, down for crying out loud. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the experience. Be there with them. Bond with the band. And and have that going forward because Dave and I, before cell phones, Dave and I would go to shows. And they would be awesome shows. And you just, you'd walk out going... Man, that 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 kicked ass. That really did, and you know the experience having having been there. You know, if you've got a phone, you know, and you feel you have to, you have to. But you know, an entire sea of phones because you're doing the same thing everybody else in that venue is doing. And I just I I don't get it. And I I'd love to hear from a performer in the future and see how they feel. I just don't get it, because honestly, if you want to see a video of it, just go home, dial it up on YouTube, <laughs> YouTube has everything. You know, Instagram, you can watch a 60-second clip of it. I mean, for crying out loud, put the dang phone down. Yeah. You know, Ferris Bueller said it best, life moves pretty quick. You can miss it if you don't stop to look around every once in a while. I mean... That's 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 a perfect summation. So Perfect summation. Well, a couple of old guys here talking about yeah. music, the old days. And uh, we'll be back. Dave and I are old friends from uh, from way back. TV news. We're gonna t- we're gonna tell TV news stories eventually <laughs> in the future. And boy, do we have a bunch of them. We have a few. Uh, again, we just recorded uh, some um, updates for uh, a show we used to work on. SCCW Wrestling. SCCW uh, Meltdown was the name of the show we did in the early aughts. And uh, Facebook is pestering me for new <laughs> new material. Otherwise, they're gonna, you know, think I'm a Russian bot and uh, and and eliminate the account, and we can't have that because there's just not a good good there's just not enough good quality wrestling local wrestling no. shows on and did they, on, and on they, the internet. They found out that your middle name is Boris. <laughs> it's it's pronounced Boris. <laughs> Some right. people call me Boris. <laughs> um, so anyway, we just recorded some of those. So go to Facebook, SCCW Meltdown. Look for it. You'll see Dave anchoring uh, or hosting, I should say, the uh, the SCCW Meltdown shows. They were incredible shows. Uh, we're here at the Texas Museum of Broadcasting, and uh, I've just completed a shooting a story that's going to be on my YouTube channel. It's called Chuck's Americana, C-H-U-X Americana. <laughs> It's already up and running. There's some old stories that I've done in the past. And those are the types of stories that I really want to do. And I just, in 37 years of working in organized uh, television news, I wasn't able to, to do as much as I wanted to. There, there, there are some I've been able to do, uh, but I just want to do more. And I think that's something that television news is getting away from, especially local, uh, just because everything is a home invasion or a hostage standoff or... Uh, a drive-by shooting, and uh, Dave and I have had it with mm-hmm. that. I mean, yeah. it's it's paint by numbers. It's easy stuff. You can do it, but it just after a while, you, you feel a creative void, and you feel like you know we've got to do something else. That's what we. That's why we partnered and took over SCCW. Yeah. We just like doing things, you know, and and that's what that's what really brought it to that. So uh, check out Chuck's Americana on um, on YouTube. Uh, and uh, SCCW Meltdown on, um, what is it, Facebook, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, What the Chuck. That's this podcast right here. We're getting started. We're going to talk to a lot of people about a lot of different experiences that we have had. Uh, Dave is one of them. He's been nice enough to uh, spend a Saturday with me out here in uh, beautiful Kilgore, Texas. 
and uh, we're going to go uh, have a beer or something like that. Dave, what's coming up on uh, in your, um, what do they call it, wheelhouse? In my wheelhouse, uh, nothing really. I'm just, no. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I'm looking at some doing some different things. Uh, you know, I talked about it. I think uh, you've been inspiring me to maybe take that step out and do put together some shows of things I really feel passionate about, really mm-hmm. want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I wrote a book last year, but um, other than that, um, you know, I'm just uh, trying to figure it all out. It's never too late. Well, I'm, st- I'm still working on my book. It's called, uh, it's to a great degree written, It was. it's called Against My Better Judgment, <laughs> This Day in Chuck History. And um, I started it off as a, as a blog, believe it or not, on, I, I, God, I hate to admit this, on MySpace, uh, back in 2008, and uh, the, the the stories just took on a life of their own. So I'm uh, adding to them, and um, we're going to get those published. Uh, but in terms of what Dave is talking about, <clears throat> I most of the time when I was in in the business, I didn't do what he did. He was in front of the camera. I was behind the camera. In front of the camera was not my comfort zone, but I am stepping out from behind the camera and I encourage people that to step out of their comfort zone and go do things that they've always thought about doing maybe you suck but you know maybe you're halfway decent at it and you in these days you can't be any worse than anybody else who's out there am I right <laughs> well that's it you know just get out there and do it if it stinks it stinks but you know what don't wake up 20 years from now with a regret yeah that's the worst thing so I have the luxury right now we're pushing the half hour mark, and uh, which is longer than I thought we were going to be talking. But this is this is a great campfire uh, discussion, and we're going to uh, well, hopefully uh, follow up on it sometime in the uh, in the uh, near future. And uh, for now, uh, Dave and I are going to sign off. This is what the Chuck podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we don't have any music to play out, but I did bring my harmonica. Hold on a second. Um, hold this for a second. So. Uh, this is, uh, this is this is this is this is my speed. this is my own composition. Thank you, thank you very much. I get no royalties from Spotify for that. Bye.